We are going through the book of Acts, and the author reads it this way. While Paul was in prison for the persecution of his faith, the text goes straight completely like this. When it was day, the what? Say Laura. The Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 men who made the conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, we have what? Strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you. As though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to what? Kill. Say that word again. Kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul, Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune for he has something to tell them. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he had something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and alongside asked him to privately, what is, what is it that you have to tell me, son? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow. As though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be what? Persuaded by them. For more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have what? Killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, get ready for 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect, Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, the governor, Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be what? Killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him. Having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged them with nothing deserving debt or imprisonment. And it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, Paul. I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with Paul. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, 
he asked that province he w- where he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing. When your accusers arrive, and he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's pro-counsel. God, so much words. Many of us don't even read that much in a day, let alone the Bible. And so, God, I am not saying that we can't understand you this morning, but we can understand you in your spirit. God, when life takes its final tool on us, when we take our final breath, will you say, good, well, and faithful servant? Help us to evaluate our hearts. Help us to get out of this Americanized understanding of the gospel. Help us to realize America is not, Lord, the leading charge of the gospel. Father, help us to be biblically based and gospel-centered. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. And God's Ohana says, amen. And give the Lord a clap of praise this morning. Keep me in your prayers. As I get used to the playing and coming to the pulpit. But I was in Reno this past week, and we had a church planning conference, and Connie got it, had a chance to come with me. And while we were in Reno, we had some great gospel-centered preachers. And the last preacher who was part black, he shared this statement with us. He was saying that, man, you know what? We just planted a church 10 years ago. We started planting churches more in the city of Baltimore. And we got our own building and our own facilities. We're doing great things for within the church. But you know what? Baltimore is still the same godless city when we first came 18 years ago. As I heard that, I began to prick my heart about Hilo, about Ohana Church. We celebrated four years of God's deliverance and God's gospel in this city. And today, Hilo is still the the most paganist city in all of the Hawaiian Islands today. We've not even made a dent in the community today. Are you with me? This is a serious serious message for serious people. And as, as I thought about that, here's something that this pastor said. Pastor Mike Crawford said this about real Christianity. He said, real Christianity leads to social resolutions. I want to say that again. Real Christianity leads to social resolutions. Meaning, if real Christianity is going to impact this city, true Christianity will not just stay in the walls or the boundaries of our Sunday service, but it will have an effect on social issues out there. Now, there is a, a, a line where there's social gospel and there is the clear gospel-centered gospel itself. And we're not going out there just to boost up Hawaiians, boost up any activism club. We're going out there to point people to the beauty of Jesus, of Christ. But if true, listen to me, if true life change happens in the church, hear me out, this is how you can measure true life change in the church, then it's going to change in our homes, in our communities, in our city. Can I get a witness? You say amen right now. But are you guarding your heart today? Are you guarding your heart today? Does your heart belong to Jesus? Are you just hearing feel-good messages all week and you come to Sunday, you don't know how to handle the truth. I'm talking to myself. I'm preaching to myself. 
listen to me. Are you in love with Jesus today? Hear me out. I didn't say, are you doing enough for Jesus today? Can I get a witness? The question is, are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? Because the result of our love relationship with Christ is life change and the life change of others. What comes in us got to come out of us. Can I get a witness, right? Food go in us got to come out of us. Can I get a witness, right? Jesus comes in us. He got to come out of us. That's the way the gospel works. That's the cycle of the gospel. And too long churches have been preaching feel-good messages that send people straight to hell. I'm going to preach as if you're going to hell today. And I'm going to preach as if after this message, you're not going to hell because the gospel radically changed your life. Not just for the sake of getting a ticket out of a hell, but because you fall in love with the creator of the universe. You may call him EO. We call him Jesus. Are you in love with Jesus? I'm not saying if you're in love with your lifestyle. If you're in love with yourself. Are you in love with Jesus? Because real Christianity leads to real social resolutions. Here's the background of what we're experiencing right now in the New Testament church. The New Testament Christians were radical. Can I get a witness, right? When the New Testament church impacted a city, a country, a nation, they did not get honored. They didn't get, they didn't get the key to the city. Oh, quiet this morning. Are you hearing me? They did not get the most valuable player COA award at the end of the championship game. You know what they got? A huge riot in every city. You want to see the gospel change this city? Where's the riots? Where's the riots? Now, I'm not talking about the riots for the sake of having riots. But the riots, because you preach the explicit gospel of Jesus Christ, it offends the governors and the leaders of the community. Therefore, there is riots going on because there's a message that's preached that many people haven't heard. It's not normal. We don't preach about that. We we laugh about sin as though as it's funny. But it sends us to hell. We practice sins, and if God is a gracious God, so much so that we can do whatever we want in our sin, and God will forgive us. Wretched man that I am, who would save me from this bodily sin? Christ, the Savior, the the, the, the man God, who takes away the sins of the world. I know usually I'm funny up here. But we have to know that there is life and there is death, and you must be radical for the gospel. How are we to be radical for the gospel? Like Paul, our text just said he was in prison because of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this week is a two-part of our series called Rising Tide. For the past few years, almost three years if you did not know, we've been going verse by verse to the book of Acts. We finally land in the chapter 23, and we're doing a two-part of this story of Paul being in the Jerusalem jail. And we said this last week, that God is in control even when things in our life are out of control. Can I get a witness, right? How many of you would raise your hand and say, that was my life this week, huh? Amen. Say it with me. One, two, three. God is in control. Even when things in our life are out of control. When my husband don't like shape up, God, you're in control. 
when my cake you know like make his or her bed god you're in control god when i know like act up and shape up god you are in control can i get a witness over there if you can get a witness, raise your hand right now right we can get a witness if you're not raising your hand you're missing out on real life because real life will punch you in the face sucker amen life punches us in the face and if you say it doesn't that's the problem why? Because life is sinful. Life is filled with sin. We need Christ to redeem us from that. Now, if you did not know, this is a Christian church. So we talk about Jesus a lot. All right. He's got we gospel centered church. We love him. We, and so if you thought you was going to get a feel good message, that's the church down the road, not here. And that's why we have a small church. Praise God. I would rather be up front in the beginning, and in the long run, you don't know what we believe. I don't say that with arrogance. I say that as a poor Kanakama Oli that struggle with sin. There is joy in Christ, and we find that, that he's in control. Last week, we found, we, we, we seen two things. We learned last week that, that there were certain things that was out of control in Paul's life. But God was ever so faithful in what that looked like for him as a believer. You like genuinely express your faith in Christ? Try being beaten and put in a prison for your faith in Christ in Hawaii name. Problem, that won't happen. Why? Because the American law says we can say whatever we like, whenever we like, however we like. That's all right. But you put that in the Middle East. You put that in Asia. You put that in the 1040 longitude latitude area. You cannot talk however you like, Hawaiians. Right now, as I'm sharing the gospel freely and boldly, our sister and brothers in Christ are being beaten for the cause of Christ because they're doing the same thing. Churches are meeting underground. And you may say, well, that's that church. No, that's us. We're one ohana, united in one baptism, united in one hope, united in one Christ. Look at this. This is true. We have to see that though our lives are out of control, God is in control. God is completely in control. And he demonstrates that three ways to Paul in our long text. It says this, three ways that God affirms to Paul that he is in control. Number one, through a family member. Can I get a witness out here, family? Right? Thank God that a family member stepped up in my life. Can I get a witness, right? It is because family that we exist. That's why we call it our church Ohana. Because more than anything else, we want Ohana. We want family. We scrap against each other. All right? We, we, we love on each other. We have issues with each other. You know, whatever the case is. But we Ohana. There's no perfect Ohana. There's a perfect God who's perfecting us into the image of sanctification, the glory of his name. Amen? And so that's happened through a family member, Paul's young nephew, Heard of a plot to kill him. All right? And he takes action to share this information with his uncle. Everybody say, Mahalo, nephew. Come on. Right? We don't know nothing about this nephew, just that he's the nephew. We don't know how old he is. We don't even know how that Koholohe Bago was over there listening to that stuff. You know? Some of you in this church, you just like that nephew. You know all the gossip and yik yak in the church, right? Like, you all, like, over there, like, oh, yeah, yeah, over there, yeah, that's, all, that's him, Kabo, that's him, you know what I mean? You know everything that goes on. Well, he was there, and what we, do know, what we do know is that the family member of Paul stepped into the business and affair of his uncle. 
Listen to me. The nephew of Paul stepped into his business. He got down and dirty in the affairs of his uncle. Here's a biblical truth for us. God allows things to happen to other people so that you would be the vessel that remind them about God's sovereign control in all things. Can I get a witness out there? I mean, that's the truth. You may be in a predicament that only a family member can warn you about. Because in and of ourselves, you don't know what you're in. Now, in Paul's case, he does know. If we execute the word properly, he does know what he's going in. But Paul doesn't know his nephew's there. Amen? Paul doesn't know his nephew's there. Look, at, here, here's something we need to think about. We think that the best thing to do is to stay out of people's business. When God has literally placed you in their business to provide comfort for them. How does God tell Paul that he's in control? Oh, bro, my nephew, right there. My nephew. You are the answer. Listen to me, everybody. You are the answer to God's plan of salvation through Christ alone. Remember that. Here's a warning. The greatest lie of the devil is to deceive us in thinking that it's okay to not get involved in the affairs of others when in all reality, the opposite is true. That is so gospel-centered. That's so Christ-centered. We will, oh, we're not going to be over there. We're not going to be niele. We're just going let to them, let them go... No ways. That is why we family. If you love your siblings, your whatever, your, your ohana so much, you will tell them the truth. You will get up in their business. You will get in their affairs. And you will tell them there is a way for comfort. Christ. Christ. That is the deal. We need to hear it. Look, and, and I'm going to put some pressure on you. Here's the, okay, he said, ah, here's the pressure. Ezekiel chapter 3 says this, and at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from who? Me. You're not going to be passive, bro, sister. He says, you're going to warn them. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no all three of you are getting it this morning. No warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at what? Your hand. Let that rest heavy on you today. And you know what kind of sucks for you this morning? You heard the word of the Lord today. And you have to bow by by it and follow it today. Because if you don't, it is true in the new covenant. It's on you. That's your kuleana. That's your kuleana. Look, look at this. Look at this. Let's, let's, let's put this on Christology. Let's put this on the study of Christ. Could you imagine if God the Father did not send God the Son, Jesus, to earth? Could you imagine? What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Damnation for all humanity. Now, we, we believe theologically, we all deserve damnation. We all deserve God will be just if he sent all of us to hell. He would be just because he is God. We sinned against a holy God. We don't deserve his righteousness. We don't deserve his goodness. But God being rich in mercy. 
Could you imagine? You see, Paul's nephew is a symbol of Jesus getting involved in his uncle's business. Our involvement in injustice is all about Jesus. It's not about past, present, or future entitlement. I know that as a Hawaiian. Do you you think it hurts my heart that my family waited 80 years for Hawaiian homeland, and we still know more Hawaiian homeland? Don't you think it breaks my heart? Some of you know that with me. Don't you think so? That it breaks my heart? Well, it's not about me. It's not about my entitlement. It's not about what I deserve because I am people of the land. It doesn't matter. It matters what God says. If anything, if I got a dollar a year lot for three acres, four acres, I would just be a bad steward of it anyway. Because I would let anybody and everybody live on it. And you know what happens with that there? Pilau things. Because that's my heart. I like give away stuff. But listen to me. When we are involved in the social things of this world, it's not about the activism of the organization as much as it is about Jesus Christ. Jesus, listen to me. I want to say this problem. Jesus hates the sinner. Look to the cross. Jesus loves the sinner. Look to the cross. You guys didn't get that. People would say the statement, oh, oh um, hate the sin. Uh, you know, hate the sin, not the sinner. Absolutely not. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus hates the sinner. Look at the cross. He died because of sinners. Not the action they did alone, but the totality of its nature alone. The sinner. But Jesus loves the sinner. That is so stinking bipolar, Kahoo. What's going on here? He's God. He's sovereign. He's in control. He absolutely 100% hates sinners. He absolutely 100% loves sinners. That's why he's the God man. I don't know how a man 100% can be God 100%. The Bible says that and we believe it because Christ is worthy to be honored. That's the truth. That's the truth. Blood is on your hands. Look at what Proverbs says about our hands being witnesses with the gospel. Open your what? Open your wah. Don't be silent. He says, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge what? Right? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But I thought we're not supposed to judge. That's why we don't listen to culture. Or climatical transitions of culture. Can I get a witness? The hippie era, right? The Rastafari era, all right? We listen to truth. Open your mouth in the, with, for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge what? Righteously, meaning if there's judgment in your own life, don't judge others. But if you're clean and you're pure, judge them in the name of Jesus. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Why do we feed the homeless? Boom! Why do we take people in our homes? Boom. Why do we get people off the streets? Boom. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Help me out, everybody. Read it all along with me. One, two, three. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself as unstained from the world. What is God calling us to? God is not calling us to do stuff for him. 
He don't need you. He's God. He's in control. He don't need you. Are you serious? No. What is God calling us to? Himself. Who is himself? He's a holy God. So what is God calling us to be? Holy. Set apart. Like him. Not on the world. Not on sin. We are perfect because our God is perfect. The word doesn't say that Jesus was a preacher, preacher, preacher. He said Jesus was a prophet, prophet, prophet. He said that Jesus was the greatest man, man, man. The prophets of the old and the apostles of the new said that Jesus is holy, holy, holy. That's what defined Christ. And so in the Hebrew language and the Greek language, they don't have English definitions like us. For us, we would have good, better, best, right? In our language, let's say pigeon now, right? Good, better, more better, right? Can I get away today? That's the way we would speak it, right? But there's not that language in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. So when we understand God, that, that's the emphasis of his holiness character, that God is holy, holy, holy. The reason why we are caught up in ourself and our sin, because God is not holy, holy, holy. To us, God is sinful, 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 because we allow the culture of this age to define the, the behavior of my pattern. I love it that it's quiet today. It don't sound like the Hawaiians. You know why? Because people convicted in this room this morning. Amen? And where there is conviction, there is liberty. Where there is conviction, there is liberty. And that liberty is found in Christ. And I don't want you to just, to just look at me up here and say, oh, you mean. I want you to look at it as if, as if I'm a doctor and you have a sinful issue. And I got the remedy and medicine for your issue. The Christ man. Jesus. Martin Luther King says it this way. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience. But where he stands at the times of challenging Challenges and controversy. Let me tell you. People pleasing is my game. I love making people feel loved and encouraged. And I started reading the Bible. You know how that goes? And it was so consistent on rebuke and correction. Right? Even dismissing. Uh How... How can you dismiss someone from your family? I thought that was family. Well, when they don't act like family, they're not family. There is a standard. His name is Jesus. And listen to me. The standard is not being like Jesus. The standard is Jesus being Jesus through you. Holiness is about, it's not about you being holy by yourself. Holiness is about Jesus living holiness through you with other people who are working on holiness through the power of the Spirit. Holiness is gospel community. You want to learn about gospel community? Read the book of Leviticus. It tells you how we should live and operate together in gospel-centered community. And this is what happens when we allow sin to torment us. Just like diabetes. We get to a point 
But part of our life has to be amputated. And if you keep soaking in the truth of God's messages this, every Sunday, and you're not repenting, then by the time God comes to earth to judge you, it'll be too late. Let me say a statement to you that I learned from a pastor in my life. I would rather be judged now by believers in Jesus than judged by Christ when he comes back for only his believers. You heard me. I'd rather be judged right now by believers in Christ than the final judgment when Christ comes back to only take his believers with him. I want to encourage you. Paul seen this control of Christ through a family member. Number two, I got to hurry up. Number two, because we had an awesome music service, all right? Number two, Paul identified God that God was in control through a tribune member. All right. Now, this tribune guy, if you read chapter 20, or yeah, 2021, all the way to now, this guy is like the, the, the definition of a politician. All right? For real. If you read chapters 20 to now, you will see that his, his, there's a heart change going on. But the heart change is not because of Christ persuading him to change. His heart change changed because the leader, humanity, keeps on changing their opinions. Let me tell you right now. That will always happen. Make sure we stick to the word. Look at it. Paul's nephew updates the tribune on the plot to kill his uncle. The tribune does one thing. He tells the nephew to be, keep silent. My question is, why does he tell the nephew to be silent? Because here's the answer. The boy's info was credible to the Jewishes. listen to me, Jewishes platform. The pattern of Jews were to take laws in their own hands. The Jews who were godly people, all right? were outlaws in the day. There were the Hell's Angels. There was the Mongol bands. There were all, you know, when you think about outlaws, this were the Jews, people who said they loved God. And they would normally take the law into their own hand, but Jerusalem was ruled over Rome. And the tribune was Roman citizen soldiers. Are you with me? Therefore, they were going to take a law into their own act by their tradition, without discording the law of Rome. Sounds like America today. Let's go. Let's go steal the Hawaiian Islands. Let's go steal the kingdom. Let's not worry what's going on today. And you wonder why America is in the crap they're in today. Because they continually steal and rape the lands that don't belong to them. Now, you don't say that because you're part Hawaiian. You say that because that is Biblical. God told these people to not steal. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And the one thing they do, steal. Steal. And America's tragedy, listen to me. America's tragedy, they, that, they never stopped just a couple years ago. America's tragedy was when they started stealing land that did not belong to them in the 1600s, 1700s. That's the gospel. And you wonder if we're ever going to get back to the true essence of the gospel. Yeah, it can be. God is powerful. He's in control. But I'm wondering if God doing the same thing he's doing in the scriptures to get us to a place where all the other nations are in. Persecution. 
You like see real, genuine Christians? Watch when persecution start happening. Let's see if pastors are still bold to preach on the pulpit, knowing that their lives would be the last breath they speak to speak the gospel. America is not the postmodern child of the gospel. It's the Middle East. It's the 1040. It's those places where they suffer, Indonesia, China, where they suffer for the cause of Christ. Look at this reality truth. Always judge people by the pattern of their lifestyle and not just what they say. Let me say that again. Always judge people by the pattern of their lifestyle and not just what they say. Why? Because hypocrisy is real. You can tell me all day long you've met with Jesus. And intimacy with God is all in your heart. But there's this thing called works. And James, who Martin Luther King hated, uh, Martin Luther did not credit, didn't like it because Martin Luther in the 1400s, 1500s, came from a works-driven Catholic background. He didn't like James because James says, you know, faith without works is what? Dead. So he was, he was one of the, like us theologians and scholars. I'm not a theologian scholar, but Abba, we read too deep into it, and then we become semantical thinkers, you know? Or he used the word work. He used the word works in there. That can't be of God. No. Listen to the pattern of the phrase. Faith. It didn't say works. Look at the pattern of the text. Faith without works is dead. What are you saying? If Jesus really lives in you, then the faith that he gives you, he operates to you to use it for his glory. He uses it for his glory alone. I want you to see how John explains this. 1 John 1, 6. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, God, while we walk in what? Darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How can you say you belong to God, but you walk in darkness? How can you say you belong to Jesus, but you continue to live in the slop that every dog live in? Something has to change. Something has to change. Well, call I'm still broke. Something has to change. Well, call my, my relationship with my, my situation, the situation I am is, is done. Something has to change. Insanity to keep on going through the mess that you've been going through and you're not seeking the gospel. Something has to change. And as harsh as this may sound, this, true for, this is true for many Christians today. We say one thing in public to make us look spiritual, but we completely walk differently. The Jews were doing just that, planning to murder Paul for no biblical reasons, but they're godly people. We learned last week that murder in the Jewish faith was a sin. And here's a, Greek, here's a great way to address the issue in the sin today. Gospel clarity. Man, I was convicted about this. Yesterday, I went to my cousin's funeral. Graduated from Kapalama, had some great credentials of his life. 46 years old, guys. 46 years old. We get there, and you know how Kamehameha guys are, right? Class of 80, class of 79, class, everybody's class of something, right? The kahu gets up, speaks in Hawaiian and his English and all that. And there was no gospel clarity over that pulpit. He basically put my cousin in heaven, even not knowing what Christ says about sin. Now, there's, oh, that's harsh, kahu. It's real. 
All he talked about was the love of God and you could experience heaven. And there was no gospel clarity about sin. That sin is the issue. And because he graduated from a, one of the greatest schools that I think of in, in, in all of our state, and for Hawaiians especially, he failed Christ and his title as coffee. He was a people pleaser yesterday. He tickled people's ears straight to hell. But my brother next to me, who's completely lost, needed to hear God in his glory through sin and redemption. Don't ever be a part of a church where all you hear is feel-good messages. No, I promise. You need to hear sin every week. Every Sunday, you need to hear sin. Why? Because it's our nature. We need to address our nature. Gospel clarity means this, and that an almighty, holy, righteous God came to forgive us sinners and make us holy in Christ. Listen to me. Holiness produces humility. Humility then changes lives for the glory of Christ. You want to be humble? Seek Christ. You lack holiness? Seek Christ. You lack any kind of characteristic of God? Seek Christ. Because it is there where you get the gospel clarity that says, really, you don't lack anything. No faith, not holiness, not righteousness. You were just deceived by the devil. And your eyes need to be turned about the one who is in full, completed in his righteousness and holiness. Jesus. Jesus. Here's the last one. Finally, God reveals Paul to Paul that he's in control through an army. The tribune does two things, all right? The soldiers, the Roman, they does two things. The leader of the soldier, impact, does two things to protect Paul and to remind Paul that God is in control. Number one, they recruit 470 soldiers. Read the text. We see 200 soldiers on foot. We see 70 horsemen. We see 200 spearmen. All right, what is going on? We got 40 Jews with knives going to a gunfight. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. That's the reality, right? Remind me, you may think that you're weak. You may think that you're at the lowest of low, but remember this. In your weakness, God is ever so present. In your weakness, God is ever so loving. In your weakness, God is ever so restoring to your faith. God will remind you that when you are weak, he is strong. Remember the word that you're not strong. He is strong. If God is going to use some Hawaiians and Filipinos and Koreans and Hawaiians together for the cause of the gospel to advance to the city, he's going to do it through our weakness, all right? If there's anything that God can use in our life, it is our weakness. Are you weak today? Because God will use you. If you're prideful, God will not use you. If you're arrogant, God will not use you. If you're in sin... Unknown, unrepentant sin. God will not use you. And as you treat sin as a little puppy dog, all right, that's going to send you straight to damnation. And you may say, ah, that's okay. I'm good. I'm good. It is real. That's not good. He is good. You know when we say God is good and you guys say, and then we use the statement all the time. Can I change that up a little bit? God is wrathful. 
and all the time. God is just and all the time. God will send you to hell and all the time. Oh, that's not a loving God. You don't know our God. There is a price to pay. And it was on the cross. It was on Christ. Look at this. Second King says that this about the army. He said, he said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are what? More than those who are what? With them. All right. Praise Jesus. Joshua 1, 9 says this. Have I not commanded you to be strong and what? Courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is what? With you forever. Wherever you go. Listen to me. Could you imagine Paul in a jail cell, beaten almost to the point of death, and he's understanding these words. There's a cause for me being beaten. Christ. There's a cause for my suffering. Christ. There's a cause for my tension. In fact, I told people on the mainland, don't pray for our safety in Hawaii. Don't pray for even our homes. We need this tragedy. Why? So that the real blood-bought church would step up in this community and get involved in the social issue that is going on in Hilo. Don't pray for our safety. Paul didn't pray for his safety. Paul says, open the door. Open the door so I may proclaim Christ. Open the door so I may preach Christ. Open the door so I may say, God is here with you. But apart from God, you deserve his wrath. You need Christ. You need these messages. Not just messages that talks about topical things that benefit you, but benefit mankind as a whole. That's true gospel. The gospel is not just for Hawaiians. That's why it kills me if you're Hawaiian and you believe in Pele. She's only for Hawaiians. And you know she's not even Hawaiian goddess, right? She's from Tahiti. Me and my uncle Kale in, in the mainland said this, boy, if Pele, who was a real person, was alive today, she'd probably slap every one of us today. Because our people knew Eo. That's why our people knew Eo. They knew him. As God, Jehovah, what they did not know, that Eo had a son. And we call him Jesus. Listen to me. You battling with Satan in this room? Give it to God. Give it to the Lord. Don't be struck. Don't be dismayed. It ends well. We're going to suffer, even in our own life, in our own heart, in our own sin. Christ is faithful to forgive us of our sin. Here's an application truth, right? The application truth of Joshua is simply this. Where we place our fear is where we place our allegiance. Where we place our fear is where we place our allegiance. What do you fear? You know, my wife and my boys... They hate cockroaches. You know, as Hawaiians growing up, we just kill them, right? Even Santa Peace, grab WD-40. Suffocate them, right there, boom. Oh, Paul, you just got to learn how to kill them, right? Do you fear spiders? Do you fear the dark? Do you fear heights? Do you feel, fear death? Do you fear the unclear future? Because that's where you put your allegiance to. 
Now, I want you to see what the Bible says when we fear God, when we put fear on God. Look at this. The Bible is clear about our fear in God. Our fear in God produces this. Look at this. Knowledge. Proverbs 1.8. Proverbs 14.26. God's, God's fear in us produces confidence. Proverbs 14 verse 27 says it produces a fountain of life. Psalms 25, 14 says that it makes fear in God, makes God our friend. And Proverbs 3 said, listen to me, this is pure. It helps us turn from evil. Why are we struggling in our sin? Because our sin has our allegiance and not our God. When our fear is on God, it's not until then that our sins be wiped away are you with me here's a reality truth when we fear God he produces his life the Christ life in and through us specifically in the most darkest and loneliest times of our life I'll be honest I ask Connie this how does people still come back to church every Sunday why? Because you're getting it. You guys are getting it. You guys realizing that you are dreadfully sinful and we are in need of Christ. This was Paul's reality. He was in a dark place in his life and God reminds him that through his life, though his life is out of control, God, help me out, is in control. So, so how should we respond to our message today? Two things, very simple. Study the gospel. Listen to me. Study the gospel. And number two, share the gospel. Share the gospel. It's not good enough for you to come to church on Sunday and think that's the end goal of you studying the gospel. Did you guys hear the stat of our children today? That should make you cry. That should make you mourn. Especially you who don't have your children anymore. They're part of that statistic. And many of you would say, I was one of those children already. Many of you say, my children are going through it right now. What's the answer? The way I father, I try to father the way Christ fathers. I'm not perfect at it. But I do my best to be in every part of my boy's life. Even you guys know how busy I am coaching high school football and, and all the stuff in the community. It's okay if I fail as a high school football coach. Can I get a witness, right? It's not okay for me to fail as a daddy. Some of you may say, well, I, 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 I have no as a daddy. Can I remind you something? Your Heavenly Father hasn't failed you. There's always hope. That hope is found in a glorious Savior, Jesus. Stand with me as we give our benediction to